live your life, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for Yeah, rear naked choke of Cocker Spaniel, bro. You know what I'm saying? Change the neighborhood up. Conspiracy Farm. Go. Check it out. Here we go. Off to them, their races, ladies and gentlemen, another episode as we are back here on the farm. No stranger to the farm. We've had him on uh, multiple times. Um, was was great to get his insight uh, and chat him when the pandemic was going on. But it's always good to catch up with my boy. He is the host of the Macroaggression Podcast, and he is a very, very prolific author, as we're about to get into. His first book, I believe it was his first, first book, The Octopus of Global Control. Second book, The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire, which we're going to get into today. And apparently, breaking news, he has a third book coming out, which we're obviously going to talk about. Charlie Robinson is back on the farm. What is that, my friend? What's going on? Good to, good to talk to you both again. There's, it's not like anything has happened since the last time we talked. Yeah, right? Just, just right. wars, currency devaluations, lockdowns, insanity, you know, just the regular. Just a, an, another day on this flat earth, let me tell you. Man, <laughs> it, it was it, it was always, you know, it's, it's good to talk to you because we were just talking a second ago. And that was kind of like, you know, what, what do we want to talk about specifically? We're going to get into a lot of stuff. But just intuitively, I know you, you're somebody who obviously gets it and can kind of go a little bit of everywhere. And, you know, I hate to say it, but I don't <clears throat> I don't like doing the victory laps. I told you so shit because there's some stuff we we're right about a lot of shit. Let's just you know, set it straight. But, you know, we might have missed some stuff here and there. But I, I want to talk to you about specifically your latest book, you know, the, the, the controlled demolition of, of an American empire, because we've talked about this in so many different iterations, whether it's the the, the culture war, the, the currency um, you know, ideological subversion, as Yuri Bezmenov put it, this long-term strategy to totally turn this country into something that's completely unrecognizable. And we're almost there. Sorry, I am with my partner in crime, UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich. Pat, you're doing good, too? <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, I'm here. I forgot any even... <laughs> I mean... I apologize. I'm, getting, I'm so happy to talk to my boy. We've been doing podcasts together for eight years or more, I guess, and he <laughs> suddenly forgot the, like... I don't know the podcast manners and stuff. It's it's hurtful. <laughs> he is the reason for the season, ladies and gentlemen. He is my brother from another mother, Pat Militich. I love you, brother. You know it. But um, yeah. So what we're seeing now is basically the title of your book, "The Controlled Dem- Demolition of an American Empire." What say you, sir? We're we're in it right now, man. We're in it. Yeah. And I think Jeff Berwick and I who wrote the book with me on this, um, we would suggest that the controlled demolition of the American empire isn't the worst thing that could happen either. Frankly, it needs to happen, not not to America, but to the American empire. And there's a huge difference. You know, we're talking about a thousand military bases all around the world, locking people out based on the swift banking system and, you know, putting sanctions on foreign countries, putting a thousand military bases all over the place and demanding that uh, everybody use the dollar. I mean, we act like maniacs out there towards the rest of the world. And that that song and dance can only go on for so long before, you know, you you, you can only bully the kids in the classroom for so long until one day the bully comes around the corner and then there's everybody standing there. 
just waiting for him. And then that guy goes gets stuffed in the locker because he had it coming to him. In America, the American empire and the things that we have done under the guise of spreading democracy has been some of the most despicable things that uh, a countries can do to other people. And so Berwick and I sort of make this this uh, pitch here that, that, that the empire is coming down. It's been slated for destruction. You can't create a one world government and still have a super, a massive superpower you know, existing. It, it's sort of a problem. So you take it down. However you choose to do that, Yuri Bezmenov style, demoralization and cultural subversion from the inside, hollow it out, hollow it out financially by devaluing the currency, you know, take the, the society, take the, you know, uh, women out of the house and put them in the workforce, uh, take the industries out of the, the rust belt of America through NAFTA and ship them off to China. You know, if you do enough of these things, it's like lighting a 30 years fuse on on society. It doesn't happen right away. NAFTA happened in the mid 90s and we knew it was bad. And Ross Perot said it was going to be bad. And he was hmm. right. But it but it took a while for that to really be felt. And you feel that in places where there are no there's no more industrial capacity and there's no more jobs and the buildings are crumbling and it's Flint, Michigan, and it's all these places. And so, you know, it's 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 undeniable that the empire is coming down. The only question is, who is the one pushing down the plunger, really? Well, now, speak it speak to, you know, throughout history, how empires have been used you know by the elites by the bloodlines that have always controlled the planet you know the you know the roman army the persians you know the the british army moving on to the americans you know we've we've our military has been used as the hitmen you know globally to steal resources and and you know put in place or remove dictators and now you know does it seem to be switching to china the chinese military and russia potentially because it sounds like our contingency you know, for, you know, Taiwan and these other areas, governmentally wise is for American citizens and everything else is just an evacuation program. They don't have any like save that area and, and at all. It's all about well, evacuation. We've got, well, so it's funny you mentioned the economic hitman component to this um, because I was just talking to John Perkins, the author of that book. And Perkins, uh, that book changed my life, put me on a whole different trajectory because I, I didn't mm-hmm. understand the, the money side of it. You know, and he explained the loan to own the World Bank and the IMF and how they create these debt traps. And and that's how empires have have worked for a long, long time. And I thought, oh, that's really fascinating. I didn't didn't consider that. And so I'm talking to him a couple of weeks ago and we're talking about China. We're talking about the role of China. And, 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 and he says, well, it's funny you say that because I've got a third version of Confessions of an Economic Hitman coming out the end of February, and it focuses on the Chinese economic hitman in Africa and the, and the yeah. you know, the, the plan that they're using for that. It's a little different. It's not the same as what America does. America would set up these <clears throat> debt traps through using the IMF and World Bank, and it would be the, the end goal would be to get them to default so that they could take back tangible assets and or put a military base or have them privatize their fishing industry and sell them, sell it to their buddies or some vote their way in a UN resolution or some bullshit deal they didn't want to do, but they'd get sort of trapped into it because of the debt they had fallen behind on because this hydroelectric power plant didn't pencil out the way they said it was going to. Right. 
And and the Americans all would set that up as as with the goal of getting them trapped and to in order to extract these resources. And while the Chinese do it a little differently, they have a bigger play with the uh, Belt and Road Initiative, where they're they're looking to partner with uh, with Africa, with these you know with these countries. You know, back in the old days, America would go to Africa and say, "Well, we need these resources, and you've got them." And they'd say, "Oh, I don't know what to tell you. We're." We've got them, but we don't have the ability to get them anywhere. And the Chinese would say, we'd love to do business with you and get your cobalt. And they'd say, well, we'd love to do business with you, too. But again, we just don't have the ability to get this cobalt to you. And they said, well, what if we, what if you did? What if we built the the infrastructure? What if we built the rail that took it from Congo all the way to the ports? <laughs> you know, what what if we did that? And they said, well, now we're talking. Right. So. <clears throat> America wanted to go hmm. in, get into in, into relationships with these foreign countries and get them into economic slavery so that they could extract resources from them. The Chinese want to partner with them, want to work with them. I'm sure they've got some nefarious intentions as well. I oh, mean, sure. they, they probably envision Chinese warships and all these ports that they're building around the, the world. But but they at least they're trying to run a business here. <laughs> they're trying to. They're trying to get these resources out into their hands in control of of uh, of the of the electric vehicle re- resources. You know, all the green technology stuff that we're supposed to be going towards, you know, all that stuff is either in Africa or locked up in Chile or China. And so what do we have? Do we have relationships with these countries? Well, we used to, but we've made we've pissed them off so much they don't want to work with us anymore, but they'll work with the Chinese. And so that's kind of where we're going. We're getting into this 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 strange uh, place where it's it's America versus China, but it's not necessarily in the warfare component, not yet, at least, but it's definitely in the resource war. And the ownership of the shipping lines and and the Belt and Road Initiative takes the Panama Canal out of out of play for a lot of their shipping. And that's a big problem. And so you 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 see that there is a new war. It's not a shooting war, but it's more of a trade war. And uh, and America is falling behind in it, I think. Well, and this is what we've talked about so many times, even in our you know old school incarnation of the farms. And we just had on Lieutenant General Michael Flynn on Self Defense Warriors talking about asymmetrical, nonlinear fifth generation warfare. I disagree with you, Charlie, in the point that it is a war. It's just an asymmetrical war, like you said. It's not a shooting war, and, and it's not even just it, what you articulated is so spot on, and how they've expanded and expanded, and how Belt and Road is really just the foundation of their takeover, not just Eurasia, but like you said, Africa, and even. Some of their most recent dealings, Central and South America. Brother, I, t- I tweeted something about this. They're taking it all over without firing a single shot. And everything that's being powered as far as our next level is technology and the technocracy, et cetera, is all powered by things like you said, these precious minerals, specifically cobalt, which is in all of our phones, all of our laptops, all the electronic vehicles. And they're in charge of extrapolating that. Now, granted, that's human child slavery that's extrapolating those minerals in its next level, fucking atrocious. But they're in charge of all of these different, you know, conflict mines, kind conflict minerals that is literally powering the next stage of of the world's evolution. And you're so right about kind of the bad, the, the symbiotic relationship that China's creating with these countries they're taking over, as opposed to going in and freaking just stacking bodies and just creating a meat grinder, which then creates such bad PR for the invading country. Let's let's work together to do this. I'm not trying to take you over. I'm trying to work with you. And a lot of these countries need 
the money, the economic boost, the infrastructure. But my, my thing is, man, and you're so right, the Chinese is it's, – I'm wondering, and I asked General Flynn, where's this going? Um, is it – are we moving away from U.S. dominance and creating this multipolar world order and these different trade alliances, whether it's China and – or – I mean, I, I read it in the Jerusalem Post, like Iran and Russia and China are entering certain trade deals. I mean, it's just crazy next level. But I'm sorry I'm rambling, but uh, uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski, who once held um, General Flint's position, I asked him in the book, The Grand Chessboard, one of the first few chapters, if not the first few pages, was all about protecting Eurasia. And with the expanse of China right now, we're seeing them locking down Eurasia and more without firing a shot. And uh, I just I find it fascinating because it seems like we're just allowing for it to happen. Or because since this whole new world order, multipolar world order, was written about so long ago – this is just happening. This is, um, as Fletcher Prouty wrote about in The Secret Teams, this is inevitable. They've been talking about putting these global governments into place for a long time, and there's, not to sound defeatist, but there's just no stopping it. I know that was a lot. There. I I'm did sorry. an episode recently called The New Silk Road, which was talking about this, this neocolonialism, neo the use of debt uh, for enslavement as opposed to just overt slavery. And it's interesting. I put a I ta I've talked about this before, and I think I put this in one of the books that um, Africa or China builds hospitals for sick Africans, where America builds graveyards for dead Africans. You know, we, we're in Djibouti with our massive drone strike operation, you know, forward base operating there. And that is causing destruction all over the place. And the Chinese have a much different take. You know, they're they're in there using um, just just setting up these relationships. You talked about Eurasia and, and you know, what, what Brzezinski talks about in the, you know, talking about this being the most focal part the where Europe, Asia, Middle East all kind of converge in this Afghanistan region, you know, so, uh, Kazakhstan, that, that that region over there. Well, the projects that they've got going right now, two separate uh, styles. One is over land and one is through the ocean. And the ones that are going over land are quite literally copying the original Silk Road, the the 200 yeah. B.C. to 220 A.D. Han Dynasty r running this Silk Road, and it ran right through Central Asia. And so China's got Marco a – Marco Polo. Yep. China, uh, China, Central Asia, West Asia Corridor – that goes from Western China to Turkey. Obviously, there's oil com uh, component there. You've got another one that's China, <clears throat> Indochina Peninsula Economic Corridor, and that goes from Southern China to Singapore, all the way down that route. You've got the new Eurasian land bridge, which connects Western China to Western Russia. So they're they're going they're getting at this at all. Well, if you look at the map, there's plenty of maps you could <laughs> routes go. One goes right through Ukraine. Not an accident. And I said this many years ago, when we where we see different places where there are certain reasons, whether it's the stands, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's South Ossetia and and um, uh, um, Azerbaijan and Armenia, any of those reasons, these are areas that got to do the problem, reaction, solution, because these are areas where this rail, this one belt, one road is rolling through. And like you said, there's that maritime route going down around the South Pacific into the Indian, Sri Lanka, Kenya. In this interesting, when you talk about trading organizations and trading alliances, ASEAN, which I've talked about a lot, 
the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, which I believe is like 11 different nations down there, Malaysia, Philippines, et cetera, a huge economy. I think one of the largest, third largest in the world or whatever. But these are also huge alliances that they have to create, facilitate what they call the string of pearls, which is that maritime route that goes out into the Indian Ocean. And, you know, I've said this before, man, my, my history teacher in community college freaking long time ago talked about the Spratly Islands. And the Spratly Islands got has like a couple billion or whatever resources and oil reserves and natural gas, et cetera. But these are the same areas that China has been building these bases on. So this has been going on for a long time. And I don't know if you've ever played the game of Risk or Strategio back in the day. Like they've locked it down, man. And I hate to keep saying this, but they haven't fired a fucking shot yet. I mean, look at all the wars that have happened and just the bodies have been just freaking stacked due, due to this an expansion of resources and land china's doing it and they're not even killing it i mean they're killing people and they're they're horrible like cobalt mines and shit like that but you know what i mean it's the body count doesn't stack up like it used to and it's wickedly genius unfortunately and it's going to last them if they can get it all built out and it'll take 30 years but if they if they can get it all built out it's going to boost the global economy by seven trillion dollars a year they say um it's going to connect a lot of underserved countries to them it's going to give them ports in a, a variety of countries where let's just be honest if you control the ports you control like as an example they've got the the china's got the lease in this uh the port in pakistan till 2059 i think and you think they can control what comes in what goes out they can they'll just even if they don't limit it They'll know what's coming in, what's going out. They'll be able to make it look like things aren't going in that are or or vice versa. They'll have access to a lot of information, a lot of uh, they'll have the ability to just stop trade for, with some people if they if they want to do this. Now, of course, it's it's supposed to be democratic in a sense that everybody gets a vote in this. China has the the most votes, of course. But um the way this thing is is playing out right now, they're already buying. Like you said, they don't have to fire a, a shot when you give Pakistan thirty two billion dollars. This is just through twenty eighteen. Thirty two billion dollars, another twenty three billion to Nigeria. You know, Tony Blinken was in Nigeria and he was giving a speech and he was, um, you know, he was talking about how uh, this whole, you know, China is involved. He said major powers, meaning China. Uh, for too often have been partnering with African nations on international infrastructure deals that are opaque, coercive and burden uh, and burden countries with unimaginable debt. That's our job. No, I'm kidding. It didn't put the, <laughs> that's our job part. It. But, it, but, it, but it sounds like it. Right. So he's giving this speech in Nigeria in Nigeria has already accepted 30 billion dollars from China to build out infrastructure projects and whatever so it's a little too too little too late for tony blinken you know i mean the ship has sailed the the, the, the they're going to take this chinese money because it's coming in at two percent interest rates you know it's very reasonable it's a, it's a it's a debt trap that isn't really set to trap them necessarily except to it, except to keep them sort of um i don't know keep them engaged in this they're the, if we allow china to do this and i think we're not going to have any sort of say in this i think it's going to happen regardless but um they're going to modernize the shipping lines for the next hundred years and they're going to be in control of it and we saw what happened when we controlled the panama canal 
that they'll control the equivalence of this. I mean, they might even con- control the Suez Canal because it's going through that right. that connection there. And if you put together a good enough uh, plan uh, with Egypt, you may be able to uh, to run that yourself. So, um, and, and it's look, and some of these c- countries that say they're on our side have partnered with the Chinese. Italy's on board. Israel's on board. I mean, if you're so if you're so loyal to America, Israel, then why are you partnering with the Chinese? Why did you take nine billion dollars from the Chinese already for this? If you're supposed to be our best and trusted ally. So I think the I think the it's there's a switch happening. It feels like America is losing its grip and um and and it's a shame for the United States of America. But again, this goes back to that American empire. You just spread yourself too thin. And like you mentioned, Pat, you know, these empires follow a very predictable cycle. You know, there, there, there's several steps in this cycle and you, you look at it and you see what's happened in previous cycles with previous empires. And you, and you get to that find that eighth step and you look at it and you go, Oh, that's where we are. We're undeniably, we're at the eighth step. We're at the final step. We're at the step where everything is crazy right before it ends. You yeah, know? China. China's been China's been you know taking over ports and airports globally for quite a long time. You know for for national debt, you know trade trade deficits and things like that. So that's nothing new. The one thing that I want to ask is something that I've thought about a lot is if we are to believe in what's going on in the world today in terms of eugenics, the treatments, population control all these these things they're doing an awful lot of infrastructure building for trade and commerce and everything else while at the same time perceived potentially you know from some of the experts i've talked to who are former pfizer high ups who said things like you know three and a half billion dead in five to seven years type thing so if if the goal is if we go by georgia guidestones 500 million in perpetuity globally, why are they doing all this work then to to create these these trade routes and massive infrastructure if there's only going to be well 500 million people left? It's a great question, and I think it's one that needs investigation. But I would say this about it: first of all, I don't know that they're yeah I know that they want to get it down to 500 million, and if they do, none of the trade routes will will really matter. But if you look at the Deagle document, the the one the document that came out years and years ago talking about the depopulation goal uh, levels well they weren't calling it depopulation but they were just showing the the population in 2015 the population in 2025 and the massive changes in that about 70% if you line that up and you look at where the bulk of that was happening it was happening in the west it was happening in the united states and canada and mexico and and western europe and australia and places like that those are places that are not as impacted by the Belt and Road Initiative, actually. They're sort of going around it. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that the depopulation isn't going to happen worldwide. If it were up to America, I mean, according to that 74 Kissinger memo, he's, got, he's already got the countries lined up that he wants slated for depopulation. And they are most definitely those countries that are in that Belt and Road Initiative, Pakistan and Bangladesh and India and, and, you know, places like that and parts of Africa. So I think they would love to depopulate and I think they are depopulating. And I think that that is most definitely the plan. Um, but at the same time, the Chinese or the Chinese might have 90 something percent double vaccinated, but they're at zero percent boosted because they didn't offer them. 
So if the booster is the is the kill shot, then the Chinese have avoided it. Yeah, well, I we've think often it wa- seems. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I've often wondered about. Uh, well, I just you know the, 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 they the, want the to military. kill. Sorry, Chinese military as opposed to American military is what I'm talking about. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's uh, look. It's this is a lot of work. But if they do this, if they get this 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 uh, trade system set up. Uh, by by the way, America has their own their own version of this. I have to just mention this because it's so ridiculous that the the Biden administration came out and they said. Uh, that they're going to copy this. They they want to do, um, you know, connect, do global infrastructure projects and everything. And they came up with an idea. They said it was going to, uh, this was June of 2021. And the, the name of the plan they have is build back better world. <laughs> Drawn with crayons, of course. Right, right. And the, and the, the main pillars that they're c- concerned with in this, the Biden administration for this, Global infrastructure project. The main things are communications technology, health security, clean energy, and gender equality. Because gender is a big deal when it comes to infrastructure. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. So America's response to this is to come up with the dumbest idea ever uh, to sort of counteract that. And they've already focused. And, and by the way, it's not just an idea. We have committed $200 billion to this project, this this Belt and Road Initiative competitor. Yeah, America has committed $200 billion of money that we don't have out of a total of $600 billion that's been pledged by other nations. So it's wrecking it. It's going how to much of this is still – how much of this is just an extension of an Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, whether you know, it's almost six one way, half a dozen the other. China is going to be – and the Eurasia is going to be setting up their – quote unquote smart city and this could be what our version of you know the build back better to me just reeks of like you know big smart cities they don't want to necessarily kill you they want to control you and track you and you know it's like like uh like the matrix we're all just like pods just feeding this machine i wonder about it well none none of this could be possible without the assistance of you know foreign agents within our own government and bureaucracies You know, there's a lot of people receiving a lot of money from China, from Russia, from other places, the Ukraine. Uh, We've got, I mean, we're literally infested with foreign agents. And it's, you know, I mean, American citizens need to become aware that the people in Washington, D.C. are operating on a completely different rule set. They do not care about us and that people need to, you know, reach out to their representatives, whether you're on the left or the right, and raise holy hell with them about all of this about Ukraine, about China, about Russia, you know, every, everything that's going on about the things that have gone on in the Middle East just and demand that they stop spending money, you know, on on other nations, on other nations in any way, shape or form, whether it be border control uh, in, in other nations or sending arms um, for deals, any of this stuff, funding wars, all of it. I, I'm becoming isolationist. As I get older, I'm watching this these policies and everyone's talking about globalization and isn't it great? And, you know, I get it. There's some parts that are OK, but like I am of the belief we should prioritize our own country first. Make sure that we are doing the best that we can be doing. We're we're make sure that we're 
our schools work. I mean, our, yeah. we're, we're left behind in that. Make sure that our money is sound. The dollar is a joke. I mean, all fiat currencies are, but but we're you know, the our society. Like, do, do we seem like a healthy society? I mean, we seem really broken the inside. And so it's until we, you know, if it's the Jordan Peterson thing of like, you know, clean your room, like we're out here lecturing <laughs> the world and, 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 and our room is a disaster and, and we're, you don't even make your own bed. Yeah. Yeah. We have a bad connection, but he, that's his thing. Like make your own bed and then you can start telling people what to do with their, their lives. You know? Yeah. We're worried about, you know, Ukraine's uh, border security. Meanwhile, our southern flank is left wide open. And then you go, well, why is that? It's not like, obviously, we know that, that, you know, we know that it's open. So they know it's open. Why is that? And you go, well, these guys are all trilateral commission guys. And they want that border left open because they have bigger plans. They have the the North American Trade Organization. I just put out or I just recorded an episode. It'll be out coming out pretty soon called Declaration of North America. Have you heard of this? This is the joining of Canada, Mm -hmm. the United States, and Mexico. And this is where um, actually... Is that a new NAFTA? Yeah, kind of. Except that it is, it's uh, removal of basically of sovereignty. It's a connection, connecting these three uh, countries together with a mutual constitution. And, um, and, and AMLO, the Mexican president, was was talking about this in front of, you know, in an interview with somebody. And he said that uh, sort of a throwaway comment, but he's saying that he had talked to Anthony Blinken recently about this. And he was in, in agreement with him about that that shared constitution. And Matt Gates went, wait, what are you talking about? You guys are talking about a shared constitution with uh, we're talking about Anthony Blinken is talking about this with Mexico and, and AMLO and Canada, you know, and Trudeau over there about a shared constitution between all these people and a, and a shared trade routes and, and all this stuff. And people are he's going, what are you what are you talking about? You go, well, they're all trilaterals. A- a- Anthony Blinken is. Jake Sullivan is the national security advisor, and there's at least a dozen others in the Biden administration that have put their trilateral membership on ice, as you have to when you go into the government, put it on ice, and they've rotated into the Biden administration. And they're taking that same ideology with them, which is one world government, but don't do it in steps, incremental. Click up the euros, European group countries into the euro. Click up North America into the Amero. Click up the the Southeast Asian countries you were talking about into groups. Then once you get those groups together, you get them cooperating with a a shared philosophy or a shared constitution like they're talking about, then it becomes easier to then connect them up again. So you're just making bigger groups and bigger groups, and then eventually you'll just snap them all together like Legos. And that all of is the, the un- direction yeah. we're North American Union, African Union, European Union. But it goes back to what you were saying. As they erode borders, the borders almost become insignificant because these trade alliances, these economic alliances with these countries just almost erode all of these borders. So it less becomes about any kind of you know nationalism, like you said, symbiotic relationships. And it seems like this is a part of this expansion of the multipolar world order. You're creating these unions and these trade organizations, these economic alliances – and then these individual countries' constitutions almost mean dick anymore, and they're and they're willing to give it up because it's like, well, you know, yeah, we need the help from China, or we need these alliances, and it's, it, yeah, it just becomes a a foregone conclusion that you know, like you said, 
they're just taking these countries over through these trade alliances and these economic uh, agreements. And and who I'm are the trilaterals in the Biden administration? Oh, just Nicholas Burns, the U.S. ambassador to China. <laughs> and and I mean, uh, who who's the guy? Um, Swalwell. I forget what his position was. He was smashing a Chinese spy and was still allowed to be on the. Um, I believe it was the intelligence committee or something like that. I mean, going back to what we were talking about, you know, this infiltration. I didn't even know this until not too long ago. Roosevelt, like his secretary of transportation or something like that, was a communist. Like technically, McCarthy was pretty fucking spot on because this infiltration happened a long, long time ago. So now we're just seeing that kind of the fruits of all their labor because all these institutions are compromised. I talk oftentimes about support your local shit sheriffs, go to these city council meetings, et cetera. But like they always do, they compromise us with that federal money, man, even down to the local level. So even though your heart and mind might be in the right place, they they got you by the balls because they hit you with them big bags, dude, that you just can't turn down. I mean, I'm sure there's still some sheriffs and local people still staying steadfast to pause, if you will. But even on that local level, man, they're, I mean, they're still. Jeff, consider it. I mean, they they've done things to me. They've written articles, you know, to cost me a job, you know cost me money, things like that. So, you know, what they'll do, they'll go to any length. They'll go way farther than that. But, I mean, then, you know, considering my background, you know, if they offer me a ton of money to be a FEMA camp um, uh, head guy and run a FEMA camp, you know, for a million dollars a year, what, what's, what's a guy to do? <laughs> I hope I get a pretty good camp. God. Yeah. I hope it's just right. yours. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be it'll be prime rib and baked potatoes and. No, but it, again, <laughs> it's just hard to get your mind around everything that's going on, whether it's Ukraine. I mean, and it's, for us, I don't know, not that we're cool or anything, but for us, we kind of see the larger strategy going on. It's very frustrating that so many people get caught up in the weeds and they're not even again, they're not even playing checkers when the game playing fucking tiddlywinks and shoots and ladders. But it's, it's very frustrating because we're seeing, as I've said many times, people's quote-unquote ignorance is becoming dangerous for all of us who happen to know what the fuck is up, whether it's masks or COVID vaccines or any of this stuff. We're seeing this happen and play out in front of us, and it's, you know, death by death by a million slices. And it's weird. Most people just really don't have a clue or don't get the vastness of this global stratagem, if you will. Yeah, Either I've got I've got a quote here. It says, uh, this is a White House document. It says, since June, Mexico, the United States, and Canada have collectively welcomed record number of migrants and refugees from the Western Hemisphere under new and expanded labor and humanitarian programs. It's like, yeah, we we noticed. You you left the border <laughs> open. <laughs> we, yeah. We're aware yeah. of this. There's five million people in the in just under the Biden administration that have come in through the southern border. And and to be look crystal clear, I don't fault the people. Okay, I mean if you're in Central America and your country is being destabilized, more than likely by the, the American Empire, and things are bad and you're you're in fear and you're and you're being offered an opportunity to get out of here and get to a place where where your prosperity is pegged to your ability to work and you feel, well, I'll work then if that's how it works. If that's how it goes, I'll, I'll go there and work. I can't blame the people. I understand it's being organized. It's really being yeah. organized and, and, and they're, they're making this happen. 
but I don't blame the people themselves. I blame the policies. I blame what we're doing in Central America and we're creating this situation. But then we're also simultaneously going, oh, yeah, we're fixing it like Biden and Kamala Harris. And they go, yeah, we're going down to the border to fix it. And like, yeah, you're not a joke. You don't want to fix it. And we know you're well, going back to what you said, something. going back. Well, and again, this is kind of, again, clearly by design. You know, from from a certain strategy, uh, they're letting all these cats in, giving them free shit, and we might never see a Republican anything. You know, as they keep infiltrating, and going back to how how societies and empires fall. I mean, you go back to Rome, and they got hit with all them outsiders from everywhere, becoming senators, et cetera, et cetera. It was a slow drip, but that's again how 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 Rome fell. But this could be exactly what they want, not just from a micro political standpoint of of weaponizing all the people you give free shit to, but if they're setting up these unions. You know, it's all one country. You know, of course, the borders, everyone could just walk around wherever if, if if this is their larger design. And it makes sense when you see the numbers like you're talking about and what I've heard as far as unprecedented amount of folks just coming across the border and the amount of people who are on the terror list. It's like just next next level. But again, this is if they wanted to stop it, they could stop it. I mean, obviously. There's listen, to, listen to this quote. the numbers they're putting up. Listen to this quote from the White House. Uh, talking about this um, declaration of North America. It's wild. It says, North America shares a unique history and culture that emphasizes innovation, equitable development, and mutually beneficial trade to create inclusive economic opportunities for the benefit of our people. We are not just neighbors and partners. Our people share bonds of family and friendship and value above all else, Freedom, justice, human rights, equality, and democracy. This is the North American DNA. Declaration of North America. DNA. You can already feel the dystopian uh, word games they're playing with. This is just part of your DNA of living here. It's who you are. Don't fight it. So let's yep. let's let's I want to pivot to Ukraine. Let's talk more specifically about what's going on in the Ukraine. And we've known for a long time since, you know, even long before 2014, when the overthrow of the Ukrainian government took place, uh, certainly with our funding, NATO's assistance and everything else. Uh, but, you know, we fast forward to now we've got, you know, tanks being sent over. They're going to be stationed in what tank depots in Germany, in Poland, you know, potential you know, escalation and spreading out of the war. You know, if, if Russia's got targets to hit inside of Germany, inside of Poland, they're certainly going to hit them if, if, you know, massive amounts of tanks and hardware are being sent in from those locations. We've got, we've got issues. We've got big issues. We've got bio labs in there that we're running <laughs> that uh, if they fall into the hands of the wrong people, meaning the Russians, um, then they're going to know what we're up to. We've got a whole lot of uh, evidence going left behind in Ukraine. It seems to be the reason why we're defending it as much as we are and getting involved in this sort of a variety of uh, agendas sort of overlapping. If it's a Venn diagram, there's a lot of intersection here with reasons for being in Ukraine, obviously weakening Russia uh, using Ukraine as a biolabs facility, money laundering, human trafficking, all the things that these scumbags love, it's yeah. all there. You know, right. it's, it is it is like if the dark web were a place, it would be Ukraine. <laughs> you know what I yes. mean? And, yes. and 
and and a shame. What a shame for the people. You know, I mean, I don't. I'm anti-war to my core. I don't like that. I don't want any of this because I know it hurts the regular people. If I thought it was going to hurt the politicians, I'd be all for it. But it doesn't. It only hurts. It hurts the innocent people. And and I and I hate that. So I don't want to see Ukraine go through this. But but this is a this is a a very corrupt, lawless place with a history of 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 big conflicts with its neighbor, Russia and and it's it's so much you know it's hard for us as americans we we sort of jump we parachute into this ukraine situation over the last 9 years or for some people the last year yeah. and you there's so much backstory and so much history there it's like you know in world war 2 there's a lot going on there like they starved out a ton of people in ukraine you know and and the russian the relationship with russia and everything it's like it's a family feud that goes back a long, long time, and we're trying to inject it's ourselves. Back to like Kazaria times. I mean, it's right, 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 right. Like if you want to go way back, yeah. It's always and, what it is. Yeah, and we're so we're 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 getting involved in family squabbles. We're trying to hide the criminality that our government has been involved in in that country for a long, long time. You've got. The 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 Victoria Newland Joe Biden I withheld a billion dollars from them until they fired the prosecutor stuff going people are like people now that are watching MSNBC they're like what are you talking about you're like well that's the thing you go back to the what Jeff and I were covering and I'm sure you were as well uh, when the overthrow took place in 2014 the recording of Victoria Newland only a part of it was played on mainstream media for a reason where they were handpicking her and someone from either the Trilateral Commission or I can't remember exactly where, um, but a phone call was released by the Russians uh, between Victoria Nuland and this individual, and they were selecting the next interim leader of of the Ukraine, you know, clearly showing that we were certainly took took a massive role in the overthrow of that government. And, you know, the the Americans that I've spoken to, I've had so many people – you know, go, oh, I told Jeff about this, and I think I probably did on the show, but I was sitting eating dinner with my nine-year-old daughter at a restaurant, and a lady walked up that I'd known for a long time, and she looked at the TV, and they were talking about Putin and the Ukraine, and she's like, oh, that Putin, he's a horrible guy. And while I don't agree, Putin's a great guy. Of course he's not. But um, she said, I said, have you done any, like, research mm-hmm. into the real situation and what's really going on there about Ukraine and what we've done over there. And she just looked at me and she goes, Oh, you poor thing. I want to give you a hug. And I went, get away from me. Go what's that else. supposed to mean? Get, you know, it was, Oh, you poor thing. You're so misguided thinking that, you know, the Ukrainians are bad, you know, the government and, and what we've done. Oh, you know, just, yeah. just, just, it's, it's, that's, indicative of the American mentality and level of understanding of what's going on in the world. Again, freaking shoots and ladders when the game is global chess, man. It, it, it's almost, yeah, you can't even, we're, I'm not better than anybody, but there's just, when they say certain shit like that, you know, there's no conversation to be had. Like there's no, especially when they're grown ass adults, like there's nothing we can exchange as far as ideas to make you see anything as far as my sides. Like if you're doing, Oh, you poor thing. Like, wow, it's <laughs> what do you do? You'd have to have the full conversation of of the role of the American media in lying and things like that. You'd have to you'd have to it's like you would start you'd have to 
it'd take all day to explain this to them in a, in a way that would make sense so that you could even begin to talk to them about why this isn't what it appears to be. But but so many of us and we all kind of were victims of this at some point before we knew better. We turned on the TV and we thought we were getting the story. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we maybe maybe we thought there was like a little bit of partisanism to it. You know, like the red team says things that benefit the red team and, you know, maybe shit on the blue team a little bit more than normal. But for the most part, we thought the story was relative. You know, we ABC, CBS and NBC are all reporting it the same way that, that, that an event happened. So and then, you know, so it must have happened. And what we don't realize until we get older and we dig into this is that the media manipulation uh, is key to this whole thing, whether it be yes. Kennedy, 9-11 or COVID, the media drove the getaway car on all three of these. And they will continue to do that because without them, the stories and the narratives and these big lies, the, as Hitler says, the big lie, you know, you talk about that. They don't take hold without the help of the media. And and so and it's very tough to break that programming for for ourselves, you have to get honest that you've been lied to, and that's a bad feeling. But you can get over that real fast. But but a lot of people don't want to admit that they've been lied to, especially if they're older. Like in your in that case, Pat, with that the lady, an older lady comes by and says, "Oh, poor you know, poor you." She she's been watching the media for her entire life and and has no reason to think that they're lying to her, and yet they are. And that well, is and imagine, a big imagine problem. then again imagine when you to say you'd have to talk all day. So imagine all the years, I'm guessing, again, over a quarter century ago is when I read The Creature from Jekyll Island and started to go, whoa, wait a minute. So, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> so for me, imagine somebody going through that process of 25 to 30 years of awakening and un- unraveling stuff and having somebody like us explain it to them all in one day and coming to the realization in one day. Dude, you talk about an overload. You talk about climbing yeah. in a basement and hiding in the corner. I just, I was just having a conversation with someone the other day about people getting it or not getting it. I literally have been in this, whatever you want to call it, realm for probably 30 plus years, 15, 16 years old, started with the Kennedy thing, blew my fucking mind, no pun intended, and just, <laughs> it went down, it, the rabbit hole just started from there. And I'm still, still like, what? No, no way. I'm still learning shit. And that's 30 plus years. I mean, you you talk about overlook. I mean, people just can't even handle not to say you take have to take 30 years to get what's going on. But fuck, man, so much in the in JFK, this said um, uh, Jim Garrison, played by Kevin Costner, said the size of this is beyond me. Just talking about the assassination. The size of this is beyond me. And this is like, everything we're talking about. The size of it is beyond most folks like. Pat said many years ago, your, your normal soccer mom or some shit, she's doing exactly what you talked about, Charlie, listening to NPR, NBA, MSNBC or whatever, getting that fast food service of news. Mm-hmm. I listen to something for 30 minutes. I know what's going on in the world. There's no way they could lie about this or this. Joy Behar and the girls on The View, man, they sure got it down, right? But it's there's so much more to it. And like you said, to get convince people they've been lied to is very tough. You'd have to remake your whole worldview if if you yes. if you were to come to a realization that at nine eleven was it nine eleven was not as it appears to be it wasn't conducted by nineteen Arab hijackers with box cutters it was done by intelligence agencies that had a vested interest in remaking the Middle East and you go okay <laughs> that in and of itself is enough to melt your brain to put you into a coma and make you never want to participate. But if you can get through the initial shock 
and you can and you can rewire your brain, then then things start to actually make a lot more sense. You know, that that's the thing that 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 is that is stuck with me is that. It's crazy. I'll give everybody that. I'll grant them that. This whole thing sounds crazy. But just because it's crazy <laughs> doesn't mean it isn't true. And just because – and like, you know, we talk about the – it's hidden by the size of it all. It's, it's, it's such a massive conspiracy that it – you just assume it couldn't possibly be real. And and there's plenty of people, you know, my the con the format of my first book, The Octopus, is I had 700 quotes from 500 different people in this book, you know, kind of punctuating the areas that I was talking about. And part of it is that, you know, you're faced with a conspiracy so massive that you can't even comprehend it. And there's plenty of people that have been in positions of very high power that are saying the same thing. They're saying it's just beyond your 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 ability to kind of grip and and that's kind of you know look so when you know that and then you've got somebody and you're trying to explain to them the ukraine situation and they're (laughs) like but but rachel maddow told me you know and you you just go i have to prioritize my emotional energy right get into this i can't like you said pat you're like just stay away from me like i I'm not going to have the conversation. I'm not going to change your mind. Well, when, when the – what was it? Uh, the, the Twitter files. They're still breaking more Twitter files and how the government was colluding with tech companies. I'm like, fucking hello. Operation Mockingbird. The government's been involved with the media, whether it was tech companies or whatever, creating or maintaining false narratives since the end of World War II. It's been going on for a very, very long time. When you watch the um, – I want to say William Colby or one of the heads of the CIA was being deposed, and they're like – one of the panel people was like, hey, do we have CIA and Defense Department people in the media? And he kind of talked to his lawyer or whatever. But he was just like, basically, yeah. And this was in the 60s or 70s, I believe. William Colby or one of the CIA heads. But, I mean, we've known this for a very long time. And then they act like this is brand new. Like, oh, my God, the FBI. I'm like, do we remember fucking J. Edgar Hoover existed and his role in just nefarious shit throughout time? It's like we're, we, this new generation of people, because we're kind of ADD with our understanding or memory of history. It's like, no, this just started now. Like, no, this has been going on for a very long time. Nothing new is under the sun. Since you mentioned J. Edgar Hoover, I have to sort of bring this up because it, it's a it's a point that Whitney Webb made in in one of the new books in the One Nation Under Blackmail. You know, we're we're. You're, we're in this world where we've just come through, uh, we came through four years of Trump and the FBI hating him and the FBI is out to get him and they're raiding Mar-a-Lago and they're doing this and they're, you know, and they're just, there's this huge problem. And people go, why is the FBI, FBI? I thought that was, you know, Trump's FBI. When he was president, he, he, he was in charge and that it's his FBI. How come his FBI hates him so much? And it's like, you go, it's like, well, let me take you back to J. Edgar Hoover for a second. Because when J. Edgar Hoover was managing the FBI for 50 years, he was being sexually blackmailed and extorted by a guy who knew his secrets and had the goods on him. And that guy was Roy Cohn. And that was Trump's lawyer. (laughs) So part of the reason why the FBI hates Donald Trump is because the FBI was the head of the FBI was being blackmailed for years and years. And was also coincidentally very good friends with Roy, the guy blackmailing him. They had, they had a very compatible view of the world. 
not just politically, but also sexually as well, because Roy Cohn was running sexual blackmail entrapment operations, just like Epstein was. And J. Edgar Hoover was doing the same thing. And they entrapped each other. And it was like a mutually <laughs> assured destruction. So you have to understand, like, the people, like, the normies out there that are going, this this all sounds so crazy. This, you know, the, talking about uh, these things, it's like, I agree. They sound crazy. But, like, it's not new. It's been going on for a long, long time. The, my One of my favorite quotes in my octopus book is this quote from a guy named John Francis Highland, and he's talking about this sprawling octopus with its tentacles in the state houses and media and courthouses and big business and all of these different organizations. And he says, you know, to escape from mere generalizations, I'm talking about the Rockefeller Standard Oil interests and involved in this whole thing. And you go through and you read, you read it and it's, it, it might as well have been written yesterday. And you get to hmm. the very end, you know, John Francis Highland, mayor of New York City, 1922. And you go, God damn it. It's been a century. And it's been it's always been like this. Hmm. That's what's weird, man. Nothing is new under the sun. If it ain't broke, don't break it. They've been using the same stratagem for a very long time. And now it's so much more sophisticated you know, you know, Edward Bernays, and they've known who we are psychologically as human beings and how to market and advertise and manipulate us through social engineering. And now they have our digital footprint. So they now know us almost better than we know ourselves now. So they know how to better manipulate us in such a masterful way. They get me on Twitter. They get me arguing with robots on Twitter, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> I know how to push my buttons, get me mad. Yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about the likelihood of physical warfare. Considering, and Jeff's Jeff's posed this question, and he, he posed the question as well to General Flynn, and said the the likelihood of some sort of nuclear holocaust level of war was just he didn't see it as possible. And Flynn retorted back with, "Never rule out you know massive physical global war." Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Because you know, Jeff and I we're, honestly were in line with thinking, well, when they've got the you know, the biological and chemical and, and the other means to reduce the population, why would they resort to, you know, that level of destruction? Into that, Charlie, one of the reasons I said it was so not possible was because all of these trade agreements and economic alliances, everybody's so economically interdependent that mutually assured destruction just seemed less likely to me. But what are your thoughts? Well, it seems less likely to me, too, for for those same reasons. But again, I, th I think General Flynn makes a point. You know, you, we're, we're exporting our sanity onto them and we're saying they would never do that. That would be crazy. And you go, well, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, a second. Yeah, they are a little bit crazy. You have to be sort of unhinged <laughs> to be at that at that to get move up the food chain to that level and, and, and want the sorts of things that they want. You, It's not something that the three of us could wrap our heads around because we would never be that bloodthirsty. But so I have to be very careful not assuming they're as level-headed as we are because we, we know that they are not. But they are also in business. And a lot of this boils down to what's in it for them. And sometimes war isn't the best outcome. Sometimes, um, you know, sometimes making money is sometimes making alliances is the plan. Sometimes it's better for them to do that. Sometimes it's better to just pretend 
like if you're Lockheed Martin to pretend like there's a, going to be a big gigantic war to keep leaking these stories to the media that all the javelin missiles have you know seven years supply of javelin missiles have been shot off and eight months or whatever. And, you know, and you go, oh, this sounds like a sales pitch for Lockheed Martin and Raytheon to generate more money to to get it, you know, to keep. So there's always going to be that fake push for war to scare you just enough so that it seems reasonable that you can that the politicians can justify allocating even more money to these arms dealers. Yeah, the same arms dealers that, by the way, when they're done in Congress, they're going to go work for them as a lobbyist playing golf with clients three days a week, making $750,000 a year. So there's an interest, there's a vested interest in making it sound scary. And I'm not trying to say that it's, it's not scary in Ukraine. I certainly wouldn't want to be there. There's a whole lot of uh, carnage, a whole lot of, you know, when you, when you start talking about wars and things like that, mistakes get made. You're putting yourself in a position for something bad to happen. Some guy flies, you know, a missile goes the, goes one direction when it's supposed to go the other direction. A guy, you know, whatever. And next thing you know, you're in the embroiled in World War Three. I don't like this, obviously, hmm. but I also wonder how much of it is for show. I wonder yeah. how much of it is to get us to feel like we're right on the verge of another war or World War Three, because then, well, we, you know, there go more rights. There, here comes more tax dollars to them. Here goes more, more more money out to their partners. You know, we would love to keep you guys in the loop with all this stuff, but unfortunately, loose lips sink ships. So we're going to have to cut the internet access to a lot of uh, Europe for you guys. And you're like, well, mm. if it's to keep us safe, you know, and all that stuff goes well, in. I like it. Yeah, I sorry to interrupt, but I liken it uh, to you know the the Cuban Missile Crisis. You know that that. Uh, Kennedy dealt with to the Cold War, you know, the arms buildup, you know, it's but in this case, threatening potential nuclear war and keeping people scared and, and, and keeping this conflict going creates the adversaries needed to look the World Economic Forum and all the so-called experts are saying we're certainly going to have, you know, a buildup in cyber attacks and 2025 is the, you know, the godfather of all cyber attacks that are coming, you know, it, it's. It's this, this, you know, what's in the left hand while, while what they're actually doing and continuing, continuing to build this, this infrastructure of surveillance and social, you know, social point scores and everything else. Um, and again, the cyber attacks to bring down, you know, potentially the airline industry, the food distribution industries, the energy, you know, distribution, all of these things, uh, to, you know, make it look like Russia's responsible or China's responsible and vice versa. It, it, of course, and it's, and I think it's, uh, that probably is the scariest part is, is not that there actually will be, I'm not worried about Russia attacking us. I'm not worried about Russia attacking Western Europe. It would be, it would be ridiculous. What I'm worried about is Western Europe attacking Western Europe and blaming it on Russia. I'm worried about yes. a cyber attack in the United States saying, well, we've analyzed it and we found Cyrillic language in the code, so it's got to be Russian. It's like, really? Really? You found, oh boy, the, those <laughs> dumb Russians just leaving breadcrumbs everywhere that lead yeah. right back to them, you know? So I worry about that because we'd figure it out in two seconds, but, but again, everyone watching the news would it'd be that lady. Like, can you believe Russia uh, created that cyber attack that turned off all of our power, you know? And you, if, 
And, and look, I mean, I'm not saying that the cyber attack won't happen and I'm not saying the power power won't go down. I'm just saying it won't be who we're told it is that's responsible for it. And that creates a problem, obviously. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, what we know is as, you know, back in the day, Operation Gladio or any kind of false flag. I mean, that's, again, a huge part of warfare that, you know, is I, I, I just find that so, so fascinating anymore because, like we've talked about, like kinetic war is just it's just a bad look. You know, like, you know, the old models seem to be like Smedley Butler talked about war is a racket to enrich, you know, defense contractors, et cetera. But it seems like the new model with globalism is, you know, going back to. Kind of China's model is like, now let's not take them over. Let's kind of make them part of the team and, you know, the symbiotic relationship, which, of course, they're benefiting from. But it's, it's less bad PR or a bad look. You're not stacking bodies in these countries you're taking over. You're doing it in a more, you know, economically viable way for everybody. But, you know, like going back, back to the everything, it's, they don't need the money. It's all about control. So I think that's kind of where things are lending or, or going towards as we see these. You know, this, you know, the Green New Deal, the, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, et cetera. And let me ask you, you know, Pat kind of brought up social credit score, et cetera. Do you think some of this is by design and in China kind of is the model for, for where everything is going towards, you know, facial recognition, digital, you know, social credit scores, et cetera. Even, even, though, even though it seems like nation states fighting nation state, like you just alluded to, we're setting up unions over here, which – is going to create our own little smart city, et cetera, but it's all kind of going to be linked, I think, with this, you know, democracy, if you call it. Where, where do you see things going? Very concerned about the um, – I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about the social credit system sort of taking over than I am like an overt nuclear war against us because like you said it's bad optics and right. you don't need to do that and and sure you can you do you want to kill all the people or do you want to control them because if you control them then then you can make them work for you this is obviously their their thinking so if you can control them in in a smart city or you can control them with a central bank digital currency which allows you to monitor how much money they have and what they spend it on or make it make it evaporate set a timer on it so that the, it becomes worthless in 180 days. And, you know, you can do all kinds of things. You can fully control your people. And um, and I think that that has me concerned the most because the test run for it has been ongoing when you watch social media and how we react and the lockdowns and, and what we went through. It, it felt kind of like a dress rehearsal for for how much can you know how much can we push before the people push back how much can we scare them before yes. they we break them we broke our toys yeah we scared our the shit out of our toys so much we broke them you know what i mean you got, well I, that's no good because we need them we're going to need them to work for us in this new place and you know in the new digital world where everybody's in a, sm a smart car and we lock you in these smarts i mean look that's what it that's what agenda 2030 is about now, whether or not they can get to the finish line and make that happen, I don't I don't know. But but if it were up to them, they want they're going to use all those all the pretexts of saving the environment, green technology, carbon. We're killing it with killing the world with carbon as the uh, negative behavior that needs to be corrected. And I would I would suggest that first they will positively correct it, meaning Take your central bank digital currencies, convert your U.S. dollars over to them now for the next uh, 90 days, and we'll give you two to one. 
you know, and then maybe 90 days after that, we'll give you one to one. Then we'll get maybe give you 75 cents on the dollar. And so you'll start to push people into this world, reward them. Oh, you your score went up on your social credit score. So now we're going <laughs> to uh, lower your interest rates on when you buy cars. Your interest it will be tied to your credit score. We'll lower that. Maybe we'll allow you to go. Um, have more universal basic income. Maybe we'll cut it off altogether. So there'll be it'll be carrot. You can use pub- and then stick public, later. Public. You can fly. You can travel from. It's ridiculous. He purchased ridiculous. ten it's, pounds. It's, it's he weird. purchased ten pounds of crickets. Your score is improving <laughs> drastically, sir. You're you're eating well tonight, apparently. But no, it's it's this weird WWE dialectic of this, you know, Pepsi challenge, Coke versus Pepsi. Over here in Eurasia, they're going to set up their smart cities. But as you alluded to, we're trying to set up ours with our North American Union. And it's going to be the same ship. They're going to be like, oh, no, no, no. We, ours is the good smart city. We're not in the Chinese smart city. You know, they, it, it, and again, that kind of gets into the whole WWE. And we get just caught up in the nuance of it. Meanwhile, it's just all the same iteration of the same machine. But, you know, we do the whole, you know, it's we're in the good smart city over here. Sorry. It's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. It it's it's fa- as a writer though, it's fascinating to watch it. I I wish I didn't have to participate. You know, I wish I could be watching it from like the moon or someplace where I'm not a- affected <laughs> by it all. Exactly. Because I know it's it's going to it's going to impact me, my my daughter's life. She's going to grow up in a world that's vastly different from what I experienced, and maybe some parts of that yeah. will be better. I, but the rate we're going right now, I, I feel like most parts will be worse. And so I'm I, I, I'm watching it and writing it all down as much as I can and trying to not be, you know, uh, be in it, but not of it, you know, and sort of like be watching it, but not, yeah. not uh, you know, not participating in it. It's tough, though, for, for, for us because we see it clearly. I mean, we see the direction this is going like we have a map in front of us and we go, well, this is where it's going, you know, but for everyone else, they're not even they don't even know they're on a road yeah. trip. <laughs> you know, they're not well, even, that's the they best. even have a map. Uh, but we're that going said, the, the best bad, uh, bad place. Yeah. In, in a short period of time and the best social engineering is most effective when you don't realize it's happening. But even back when we used to talk during covid, it was interesting because. I mean, we all kind of sat like after, you know, George Floyd died and shit was just being burned down and nobody being arrested and shit was just next level. Like, what the fuck is going on? Everything has gone to hell in such a handbasket in such a short period of time. And I think it goes back to what you're talking about, the the conditioning, the programming. The, a lot of the people I talk, talk to, when, whatever you want to call them, they're not stupid people. For me, I think it's, it's really kind of um, – it's some not to get weird about it, but it's some dark magic. It's like a spell people are under, like people who aren't normally fucking stupid just somehow got stupid all of a sudden. I have a buddy who I mean, has a stupid, uninformed. Yeah, form, I, I know guess. what you're saying. They just don't have the information. Yeah, I have Sorry. a buddy who has a master's degree from a great university, and we were talking about COVID, and 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 I said. And he's we were talking about masks and, and, and stopping the spread and all that stuff. And I said, well, I'm not wearing masks because they don't work. And he says, well, they, they work. You know, they do work. And I said, how so? And I he said, well, they're they're helping to to slow the spread of, of it. I said, well, let me ask you this. What um, what do you think is is responsible for there being 
38 million cases of the flu in 2019 and 1,822 cases of the flu in 2020. What do you think changed? And he goes, masks. Exactly. That's how they think, dude. That's how they think. I go, well, if masks got rid of the flu, why didn't it get rid of COVID? And his response was, I don't know, man. And I go, that's right. You you haven't you haven't even gone what? past step one and thought this out. And and again, a very smart guy. But but yeah. but but the que- he he'd never really thought about it. Nobody had asked him. He he didn't have to defend his point ever to anyone. It was never required of him. It was being told to him by the television, by the media, by social media, by his work, everything. This is what is going on. And never once did anyone say, do you think it sounds reasonable? Because he tried to defend the position by using their talking. Any measure of critical, critical. Yes. I had the same conversation. Any measure of critical. I'm I'm sorry. sorry. I had the same conversation in a grocery store. You know, I don't even remember what year it was now, 21, uh, and just the summer of 2021 before the 4th of July and asking him about, you know, what's going on with the 4th of July celebration here in town, you know, or actually it might've been 2022, I'm trying to remember exactly. Um, but he's the city planner and, you know, he's wearing a mask and he's scared. He's got diabetes. He's 60 some years old and you know, he told me that, you know, I'm diabetic. I mean, you know, I, I'm, you know, I said, I don't care if you have diabetes. I literally don't care. You know, I, I don't, I care about my nine year old's freedom and people like you believing this is causing some major problems. And he was, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. But I, it was the exact same conversation about the flu and him saying masks, masks were what was responsible for, for flu. And I just went, I put my hands on my head. I said, I can't believe I'm, I, I can't believe I'm even hearing this. It's <laughs> beyond, beyond. But it's an important them. conversation to have at least once, because then it, it, it reminds you that, that, okay, like I could hand him the box of the masks that says on the side does not yeah. work with COVID, coronavirus and COVID. I mean, it says it on the box. I could hand him the box and go, this this is the box you're talking about with these masks, and it would be like a blank oh, yeah. stare. Yeah, he's and, programmed. They're programmed. And that is a guy that I've known my entire life, a good friend, a smart person, a good person. And, and you go, well, if it can happen to him, if they can convince him to believe unbelievable things or not believe his own eyes or use this sort of flawed logic, then then really, you know. I think it could probably happen just about anybody because he he would have been one of the guys I would put in a category that would be able to see through. Like, oh, I don't know about this, but yet but you don't want to kill grandma or grandpa, yeah. Charlie. Come on. It's that trauma based conditioning they use over and fucking over again. It hijacks people's just normal critical or just normal thinking. I said it for fucking years when we were doing this show and even recently. Like, what happened to us that we just our threat assessment was non-existent? We couldn't critically think about uh, – it goes back to everything we talk about as far as the programming, the engineering, and our, our faith and trust in these institutions. I would never lie. What, do, you, do you know Fauci's background? Listen to fucking Robert you know, read his book, you know, The Truth About Fauci. I mean it's like it's not even hidden information. But, it, again, it freaks me out that this spell is – I'm sure it's deeper than that. But that the fact that people are still under the spell – we're st- I'm still hearing commercials in the CDC, I believe, made the COVID vaccine a, a part of the norm for kids getting into grade school. They're, they're doubling down on this shit. 
regardless of what Pfizer has come out with, we got some stroke possibility for people over six. A Canadian news broadcast, one of the one of the people on the broadcast said, you know, I didn't know this until last year, but uh, apparently about three weeks after uh, flu season, it's stroke season. And he was dead serious. Yeah, I saw that too. They were dead serious. Yeah, I saw it too. And now how eggs are eggs eggs are creating stroke. Like if you eat an egg, you just yeah. I, I don't know. It's the mind fuckery. Just there's there's no shortage, and it's it's so great to have you back on. And now that the farmer's back, man, you're welcome back. Obviously, anytime. Charlie has a podcast called Macroaggressions, and the. Union of the Unwanted that he does with uh, Sam Tripoli and a bunch of other people. You guys have the Wu-Tang Clan squared sometimes, dude. They have a cavalcade of folks in there. But it's cool, though. Everyone, they're on there. Everyone's on there exchanging ideas. It's a great platform. For, it's a great show. Um, shout out any other social networking, Charlie. And, ooh, your book, your latest book. Oh, Chop it apart that real quick before we let you go. Surviving in a World of Cultural Double Standards. I put Uncle Sam on the cover in a straight jacket. Thorazine <laughs> eyes in a padded cell, because that's pretty much where we are right Work, now. Yeah, fucking right. Where and, can we uh, snatch that up? Is that out? Have you dropped that yet? It's out. No, it's out. It's out. It's out. It's available on Amazon paperback and 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 digital. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at macroaggression, and my website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. I'll be in um I'll be in Mexico next week at an Arcapulco, speaking as there is one of the speakers with uh. Del Bigtree and Ron Paul and Dr. Carrie Madey and uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman and Max Egan and Larkin Rose and Mark Passio and all these other interesting folks that will be speaking there. And we'll be talking about the state of the world. We'll be talking about, well, some people will be talking about cryptocurrencies, health and wellness, education systems, unschooling, getting your kids out of government schools and getting them into a situation where you can actually educate them about how the world really works. So I'm excited to do that. And, um, and, and I'm excited to be in a place where it's not, uh, currently <laughs> six degrees where I am. So <laughs> ouch, Charlie Robinson, ladies and gentlemen, doing the Lord's work, man. It is so great to catch up with you, man. It's uh, thank you guys. I appreciate um, it. I love talking. It's to just, you it's so. just cool. Thanks for coming yeah, on, Charlie. It's good to be back on the farm. Support Charlie. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Pat, any final words for our farmers out here, our faithful farmers? Hey, thanks for tuning in. This thing is growing. We're getting ready to do the, you know, Got Truth Tour coming up here um, this summer. So we're we're working and getting set for that, and we're excited about it. So thanks again, Charlie. Thanks, guys. Um, thanks, Charlie. Peace and so much love, you guys. Love you guys so much, and we really appreciate your support. So stay tuned. There will always be more out this some bitch. Love y'all. All right, gentlemen. Thank you very much, Charlie. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Have fun. Wait.